So we are continuing the Exiled in Hope series. We are in week five of this series. And I've titled the message this morning, Governed by God or Ruled by Tyrants. Governed by God or Ruled by Tyrants. Would you go before the Lord with me in prayer before we jump in? Lord, we come before you this morning and, and we do ask that you would be with us through the preaching of your word. Lord, I ask that your people would have receptive hearts, that they would hear your truth, the truth of your word, and they would receive it with glad hearts, and that they would be changed by it. And Lord, for those that don't know you, I pray that their hearts would be open to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are walking through the book of 1 Peter in this series, Exiled in Hope. We're walking through the first couple of chapters uh, of 1 Peter in this first series. And, and the next section we're going to get to next week, the Apostle Peter talks about how we are to not be conformed to the world. He says that we are to not blend in and, and become conformed like a piece of Play-Doh pushed into the mold of the world. Not to be conformed. And he also says that we're to live sober-minded lives. That means that we're to live lives in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. We're to live in a way that we live soberly. We walk in discernment. That means that somebody who is not sober, they are drunk. And so somebody who is drunk, their senses are dulled. So Peter's going to tell us next week that we are to not be conformed and that we're not to have dulled senses as believers when we're walking in the midst of of a culture that does not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to live with sensitivity to where we are. So we're going to talk about that next week, about not being conformed to the world and living soberly in the midst of this world. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the world that we live in. I want to talk about the world that we're not to be conformed to. I want to talk about the system of the world that we are, are not to be conformed to their ideas and to their beliefs and to what they stand for. I want to talk about that world. I want to talk about the state of our nation today. I want to talk about where we are in the United States of America. What is the moral position that our, state, that our country is in to where when we get to next week, we will know. And I think we all do know. But I want to speak to those realities so when we get to next week, we can speak to those realities, speak to those truths about where we are as a country. William Penn was an English Quaker, and he founded the colony of Pennsylvania, and he famously said this, if men will not be governed by God, they will be ruled by tyrants. If men will not submit to the governance of God, they will be ruled by tyrants. William Penn was right. William Penn was right. And he was a prophet and didn't even know it. You look at our country today. We will either be governed by God or we will be ruled by tyrants. And there are many tyrants that are ruling our world today. And that is truly the, the question that we must ask ourselves as, as humans, as, as creations of God. Are we going to submit to his rule or are we going to rebel against his rule? Are we going to submit to God's rule and his authority as creator? Or are we going to throw off that rule and become gods unto ourselves and thereby creating our own morality? Judges chapter 21 verse 25 speaks of the, the nation of Israel and it's really a culmination of the history of the nation of Israel and their, and their relationship with God as their creator. And they would, they would be in times in their relationship with him where they would be serving him and loving him and honoring him. And then they would go through seasons where they would rebel against God in his ways. And they would intermarry with pagan, ungodly nations. And then they would adopt their ways. And they would be far from God. And look at what Judges 21-25 says. The last verse of Judges says this. In those days there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is the moral state of our nation. This is where we live. 
This is 2021. This is not just our nation, but it's the world. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. This is the highest form of moral ethics in our country, is that we get to determine what we believe is right and wrong. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. This is the perfect description of the prevailing moral standard of our world today. God's unto ourselves. No outside moral absolutes. No outside. We rebel against outside moral absolutes in our nation. Because we want to be the the determiner of what is right and wrong for ourselves. Our world today does not want to be governed by God. Our world today, our nation today does not want to be governed by an outside source of moral authority that tells them that they should live a certain way and that they should not live a certain way. That is the world in which we live. This is where our nation is. And what we want to do this morning is I want to look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 shows us exactly where we are as a nation. We're going to go to first, back to 1 Peter next week. But this is in preparation to go to 1 Peter to talk about the world in which we live. And how we're to not be conformed to it. But Romans 1 describes our nation. I'm going to break it down into three sections to describe where we are as a nation. So would you, if you have your Bibles, or you can look on, on the screen. Let's look at Romans 1, starting at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up or gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. In this first section, the first thing we see as a a reflection of our nation in Romans 1 is this, is that the truth is suppressed and the lie is believed. The truth is suppressed and the lie is believed. What truth is suppressed? Notice Paul says that God has made himself plain. It is plain that God can be known. You look at creation. He talks about how creation, even creation itself declares that there's a God. God makes it plain that he's real, that he's the creator of all that we see. But what do men do? They suppress that truth. They suppress it. God has made it clear who he is. Creation declares the glory of God, Scripture says. Also, God has written on the hearts of men the law of God in the conscience. In the conscience. In the conscience, we have written on our hearts the law of God. We have an an innate understanding of right and wrong and and morality that God has placed on the inside of our hearts. So not only do we have outside revelation that God is real, We have inside revelation in our conscience. God presses on our hearts. And as generations and generations pass, that conscience becomes more and more seared. But there still is a remnant in all of us as human beings, a remnant of the law of God in our heart to understand that God is creator and that God is lawgiver. And that he gets to set the rules. He gets to be the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. We have the outward witness. We have the inward witness on the conscience. But here's, 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 the, here's what happens. If you acknowledge the outward witness of God as creator and the inward witness of the conscience that God is lawgiver, this is what happens. If I acknowledge God as creator and lawgiver, then I am accountable to that revelation. If I acknowledge God as creator and that, I, and that this world and myself were not the result of the random chance and mutation over billions of years that, that we are created by God, then it means God has a purpose for my life. That means that God gets to be the one who determines what is good for me, what is right for me as my creator. He is the lawgiver. He is the creator, the designer of the world and of humans and of 
of, of the standards of morality that he's given us. He is the lawgiver. But if I acknowledge that, then that means I'm accountable to those standards and to that revelation. So what do we do as a society to hold on to our unrighteous ways? What do we do? We willingly become fools. We willingly become fools. Psalms 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So, so to avoid being accountable to God as our creator, to avoid being accountable to him as our lawgiver, we push against all of that. And the way we do it is we willingly become a fool. And we look at the world today and we say there is no God. And because there is no God, I will, sub- I will not submit to him as creator. And I will not submit to him as lawgiver. I reject that. I reject that standard. We willingly become fools to hold on to our sin. This is where our nation is. Willing fools to hold on to our sin. So when someone lies to us about truth and reality, what do we do? If that lie aids us in our delusion, we receive it gladly. When people lie to us about truth and reality, about morality, about heaven, about creation, if they lie to us, we gladly receive it if it aids us in our delusion and our rebellion against God. That's what the text says in Romans 1. It says they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth and they exchange what can be known about God for a, for a lie. What's the lie? It's a lie, but it is the lie. What is the lie that people exchange the revelation of God and as creator and lawgiver, what do, what do they exchange it for? This is the lie that they receive, that God is not God, that God is not real, and they don't receive the reality of life through the lens of creator, creations, and Christ as redeemer. They say it's not true. It is the lie that we will not receive. We will not be held accountable to anyone. And so where does that lie come from? It's from Satan. Who is Satan. It's Lucifer. He's a fallen angel. He rebelled against God. He rebelled against God as creator and lawgiver. And he was the first one who had this doing what is right in his own eyes. He said, I will be like God. Isaiah chapter 4, I will be like God. I will, I will, I will, I will. Five I wills. He said, I will be like the Most High. And he got thrown out of heaven. He rebelled against God and a quarter of the angels followed him. He was the first one to, to, to rebel, and, and humanity, given a choice, they rebelled against God. And this has been the, the direction of our country since creation, since the fall. Men wanting to be gods unto themselves, rejecting the truth of God's revelation as creator and lawgiver. And we say, I will gladly receive the lie that none of that is true as long as I can live in my unrighteousness. Jesus was talking to some Pharisees. And he said this to the Pharisees, John eight forty four. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, speaking of Satan, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in Satan. He is the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, sometimes growing up, our kids, our kids will lie to us from time to time. Not Joel and Ellie on the front row here. They don't ever lie to us. But when they were, when they were younger, when they were younger, and in particular, I remember a story with Reagan. Uh, she lied to us about something. And Estelle will tell, and this sounds kind of crazy here, but Estelle will, um, will, will tell, uh, Ray, told Reagan this, you're acting like the devil. You're acting like the devil. The devil is a liar. Do you want to act like the devil? And Reagan's like, no. I said, well, you've got to stop lying. So we, we gather together and pray uh, at dinner or at bedtime or something, and Reagan prays, and she prays and says, God, I pray that you would help me not to act like the devil. Some of y'all are clapping. Some of you are kind of worried for us right now. Oh, my goodness, what is going on here at the Buffkin household? But the point is this. Satan is a liar. And he is trying to, and he is very successfully, uh, 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 um, uh, 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 he's very successfully lying to our country, lying to humanity. 
and telling them that there is no God, there is no creator, and therefore there is no lawgiver, there is no standard, absolute standard of, of morality, and so you can believe my lie. What, what, what happened in Genesis? He, he began, he went to Eve, Satan went to Eve and said, did God really say, did God really say that you will not die? Did God really say, you won't, you won't die if you eat of the fruit of the tree that he said you can't eat from? You won't die. He, he lied. He was a liar from the beginning. The end game for Satan is to have people reject Christ, reject the truth about Christ, and to reject his word. Listen, listen to the next verse in John 8. I read you verse 44. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. This is where we are as a country. This is where we are as humanity. If people lie to us, we'll believe them. If we tell them the truth, they won't believe us. But if they lie, if we lie, they'll believe us. If I lied to you, you would believe me. The enemy seeks to control people's lives through his lies. To control people's lives through his lies. That is the end game. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says this, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents. Listen, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him. You guys see that? What does the enemy do with his lies? He makes us lose our senses and our ability to think because of his lies. We are ensnared by his lies and we are captured by his lies to do his will. This is where we are as a nation. The truth is suppressed and the lie is believed. The truth is suppressed and the lie is believed. Satan seeks to undermine every biblical foundation of truth and morality in our world today. To erase God's word as the measuring stick for life. What does the enemy want us to replace God's word with as a foundation of truth and reality? Self. Self Self-worship. That's the replacement. Do away with this and worship yourself. Do away with this, God's word. Don't obey this, but obey this. What's what's the mantra of the world? uh, Live by what you feel. Live by your feelings and what what you really believe. Live by that. Live by your inward desires. Follow your desires. Become the one who determines morality for yourself. What that is, is is that self-worship. That's idolatry itself. We become the foundation of our own standards of morality. That leads us to our second picture of where our nation is. So firstly, the truth is suppressed, the lie is believed, and secondly, the worship of God is replaced with the worship of self. The worship of God is replaced with the worship of self. Now, we are gods unto ourselves. We get to determine what is right and wrong. No outside standards of morality are allowed anymore. Look back at Romans 1, 25 through 27. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And what did they do? This is exactly what I'm telling you. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. It's exactly what the text says. This is where our nation is. They, we, we don't want to worship the creator. We want to worship the creature. We want our way. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. We don't want to be told that our lifestyle is not right. We want to be told that we can live however we want to live. And so what that is, is is that's idolatry. That is self-worship. Rejecting the clear reality of God as creator and lawgiver, humanity still worships. It still worships, but they worship themselves. The human heart is an idol factory. It's an idol factory that continually produces idols, and the greatest idol being ourself. That's the human heart. This is what Paul is saying here. When men reject God, they are worshiping themselves. And this, my brothers and sisters, is the false God of this present age. This is the God of this present age, the God of self. Self above all else. I get to make up the rules as I go along. I get to make up the rules as I go along, even if it means ignoring reality. Hear me. I get to make up the rules as, as, as I go along, even if it means ignoring reality. 
You guys remember David and Bathsheba, the story in 2 Samuel? David liked to make up his own rules. Do you remember the story? David's on the rooftop, supposed to be off with kings in battle. But what is he? He's staying home. He's relaxing. He's taking pleasure in his freedom and authority as king when he should be busy about what he's called to be busy about, but he's on his rooftop. And look at what the text says in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. I thought this is so interesting. Look, I have it underlined for you. And one said, and one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And one said, king, hey, reality check, king, reality check, isn't Bathsheba, isn't this the daughter of this guy? And isn't she the wife of Uriah? Reality check. But what did David do? David makes his own rules. Even at the expense of reality. Even at the expense of the reality right in front of him. He says, you know what? No. I get to make up my own rules. I get to do what I want to do. David rejects truth. He rejects reality. Why? Because he gets to make up his own rules. He ignores truth and reality because he gets to create his own truth and reality. You see that today within our nation? Make up our own rules, our own truth and reality. God is not creator. God is not lawgiver. There's not an, an absolute moral standard that we are accountable to. No, I get to make up my own standard of morality. I can ignore reality. I can live how I want to live. So I've, I've got a couple questions for us here this morning. What, re, what realities are ignored in society today? What truths are ignored and replaced with truths of our own making? I've got good news for you here today. The Bible tells us exactly. Let's look at the next two verses in Romans 1. Paul specifically gives two areas that represent mankind's rebellion against him as creator and lawgiver. Look at the next two verses in Romans 1. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural nature, creator, natural relations. For those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations. With women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Why does Paul talk about homosexuality right here? Why does he talk about men in homosexual acts and women in homosexual acts? Why does he talk about this as a demonstration of the fact that, 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 uh, that men, that mankind has pushed him, pushed God away as creator and lawgiver? Why does he use this as an example? Because this lifestyle of homosexuality is against nature. It is against reality. It is against what God has clearly defined in Scripture as the way in which we are to live as men and women and society to function. God's word speaks specifically to sexual sins, listen, as demonstrated through, through sexual relations that are contrary to nature. Listen, one of the clearest ways that humanity rejects God as creator and lawgiver is to sin in their bodies by rejecting God's created order for human sexuality. It's one of the clearest ways. That's one of the clearest ways that humanity says, no God, I'm not, I'm not going with that. I'm gonna embrace a new law, a new ethic. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. I'm gonna marry who I wanna marry. I'm going to have relations with whoever I want to have relations with. I'm going to reject you. This is, this is the downward spiral of a society that has rejected God as creator. And it's not just homosexual relationships. It's adultery. Now, what is adultery in our culture nowadays? We, we, we don't even. Nowadays, the, the, the divorce rate is, is continually going down. It's not because people are staying faithful in their marriage. It's because people aren't getting married. And they're living in fornication. So it's not just homosexuality, it's sexual sins of all kinds, it's pornography. 
It's that it's this, this pervasive pornographic society that we live in. God has given us boundaries for human sexuality, and he says that, that sex is designed for marriage between one man and one woman. And what do we do as society? We say, no, I don't want those boundaries. So I want to have sex with another man. If I'm a man, I want to have sex with another woman. If I'm a woman, I want to have sex outside of my heterosexual marriage. I want to look at women or men in a pornographic way on the internet or, or on my smartphone. I don't want your boundaries, God. I want to make my own boundaries, my own standards. It's a rejection of God's created order. This is where we are as a nation. Our society today does not submit to God's standards for sexuality. This is where self-worship leads us as a people, as a society. It's a desensitization that leads to a rationalization And then it leads to a degeneration. We degenerate in our society. We are down a deep rabbit hole today. And and, 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 and it would be be enough that homosexual behavior is one example of man rejecting God's created order and him as lawgiver. But it doesn't stop there. The rejection of reality doesn't stop there. We are living in a time where reality is rejected to a whole other level. That, 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 that degeneration is on full display in our world. Not only is God's design for sexuality and marriage rejected, but now reality itself as concerning our creation is denied. Listen, the very basic biological reality of gender is too great of a restriction for our society today. Did you you hear that? The basic, the very basic biological reality of gender, male and female, is too restrictive for our society today. It's not only just that we want to have deviant sexual relationships in all kinds of different forms, but we want to deny the very reality of God as creator in who we are as male and female. There's a book that was written. There's a book that was written recently that said that there are over a hundred different genders. You probably heard that. Over a hundred different genders. We don't want any boundaries, no boundaries, no restrictions. Even at the expense of embracing complete non reality. That is non reality. God made male. He made female. It's not, to to deny that is a non-reality. What's scary is, is that that mindset, that that foolishness, that ignoring of reality, like King David on the rooftop, the one comes, I don't know, the one's not named, but the one comes and says, David, that woman belongs to somebody. A woman belongs to somebody. And so David, as a king, as a leader, says, no, I'm going to make up my own rules. I'm going to ignore reality. A king making up his own rules, ignoring reality. We have it happening in our government today. Making up their own reality. Writing laws about things that are not true. House of Representatives, they wrote rules for the House of Representatives for gender-inclusive language. And they said that in the House of Representatives and in the Congress, that these gender, uh, these gender uh, exclusive terms, these gender, these binary terms, were not should not be used in the the rules that are made in the House of Representatives. It should not be spoken of. And so it says this. I'm going to read to you the the clause in clause eight C three of Rule twenty three. Strike father, mother, son. Daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-sister, grandson or granddaughter, and and insert parent, child, sibling, parent-sibling, first cousin, sibling's child, Spouse, parent-in-law, child-in-law, sibling-in-law, step-parent, step-child, step-sibling, half-sibling, or grandchild. 
to the extent, they, they, they want to go as far as they can, even to the extent of ignoring every single form of gender-specific language. Making laws about non-reality. What is, what's another reality that is ignored in our country today? That's just human sexuality and gender and identity. It's rebellion against God as creator. Here's, a, here's another one. Since Roe v. Wade was passed 48 years ago, there's been over 62 million babies have been murdered. 62 million babies in America have been aborted, have been murdered since Roe v. Wade was passed. Reality is ignored. I was listening to this senator last night talk about this. He had a picture on an easel talking to all of the Senate. He had a picture of an ultrasound, a 3D ultrasound of a baby at 24 weeks, 25 weeks, and 26 weeks. And he held it up on this easel and he began to talk. And this is what he said. It's so important. He said this. There's one question that must be asked that will influence every other decision we make as a society is concerning the unborn. And he looked at the easel and he pointed to the picture of the baby at 26 weeks and he says, is this a baby? And he paused and he looked. He looked around at the Senate. Is this a baby? Is this a human life? This nose and, and these eyes and those ears and these lips and, and these, these ten fingers and ten toes, is this a human life. If we get that answer right, then we know how to make our laws. But we get that wrong, and we ignore reality. This is what he was trying to say. We ignore reality. This is a human life. I love what Ronald Reagan said. Ronald Reagan famously said, I find that everyone that is for abortion is already born. <laughs> and it's true. It, it's, it's funny, but it's, but it's not. It's true, it's a reality. Everyone is for abortion, they're already born. Ignoring reality. We ignore reality of who we are as male and female. We ignore reality of God's design for sexuality. And we we ignore reality that a baby in a mother's womb is truly a baby. We will make laws and pass laws to protect kids from burning in hot cars. Because parents forget their children and we will, the, the same people who make laws to, to support abortion will be angry at those parents for leaving those kids, those babies in a car seat and they die from heat. Those same people who will be angry will make laws to protect that baby. A few months earlier would do nothing to protect that same baby in the mother's womb. It's ignoring reality. This is where our society has degenerated to. I get to make my own rules. I get to to determine what is right and what is wrong. The highest ethic, the highest form of morality becomes a morality of my own making. And you cannot tell me I'm wrong. You cannot tell me I'm wrong. The only, listen, the only boundaries we tolerate in America today, or in our culture, are the boundaries that prohibit you from placing boundaries. The only boundaries that we tolerate in our country today are the boundaries that prevent you from placing boundaries on me. I was talking with somebody on the phone a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, talking about this same subject. And I told this person, I said, there's no boundaries anywhere. No one wants to stand up for the, a, a true standard of, of morality and right and wrong. And as concerning marriage, we talked about this same subject. And I told the person, I said, in our society today, because love is the standard, eventually we're going to be marrying animals. We're going to be marrying our pets. No, no, it's true. You, 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 you want to laugh at that and say it's ludicrous. But so, it is also ludicrous to say that I'm not a male and I'm a female. It will happen. Actually, I saw some videos the other day of, of, of people not wanting to identify as human beings. They want to identify as, as, as dogs. And it's, and it's true. This is where we have fallen as a society. This is what happens to a society who loses their mind and their ability to rationally think. And what do we have as our society today? We have, we have a ruler, a king, who sits behind a desk. And writes executive orders that supports non-reality. 
supports things that aren't biblically right. He ignores reality. He puts in his office, in his cabinet, a transgender person. Ignoring the reality of God as creator. Isaiah 5 says this, speaking to the nation of Israel. Speaking to the, listen, speaking to the leaders of, of Israel. And I would say this to every leader, from the president on down. Every leader of, of every country, every leader, every pastor. Every leader who gets to stand up and speak truth and, 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 and lead people. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking to the leaders of Israel. And they had led the people astray. And this is a woe to the leaders. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God says woe to you. I told Estelle before this message. I told her. I said, I mean, I've been knowing what I'm going to preach for the last week or so, and it's been weighing heavy on me to, 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 to preach this subject because this is not something that we take lightly. This is something that we, we need to be aware of as, as a church, and we're going to get to some of those things here at the end of this message. We, we, we need to know exactly where we are as, as a country, but just the weight of responsibility that I, that I feel as a leader to speak the truth. To preach the truth. And this is what the prophet Isaiah is saying to the leaders of Israel. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light. And light for darkness. We will either be governed by God or we will be ruled by tyrants. You know what ultimately happens is is if we're not governed by God, we are ruled by tyrants. And we become the greatest tyrant of all. We ourselves as a society become the greatest downfall of our society. We become the tyrants that aid our downfall. We as a society don't want God's rule. We want rulers who will rule according to their own desires. And that's what we have in our new administration. Legislating unrighteousness. Legislating unrighteousness. So where are we as a nation? What do we see in Romans 1? Perfect parallel of our nation and other nations of the world. The truth of God is suppressed and the lie is believed. The worship of creator God is replaced with the worship of self. And lastly this morning, God has given humanity over to their sinful desires. God has given humanity over to what they want. Look at the text, Romans 8, 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up or gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they high-five others that are doing it. They give hearty approval, the old King James says, hearty approval to those who practice them. It's reminiscent of whenever Jesus says that the world's going to hate you because they hated me. And Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. It's the same thing here in Romans 1, that the world, they love themselves and they will celebrate each other's rebellion against God as creator and lawgiver. God has given us as his creations an outward witness to his reality and an inward witness to his law. Yet throughout human history, man rejects God and his law. And what does God do? What's the text say here? He lets them go. He lets them go. He says, okay, you want to reject me as God, as creator and lawgiver? You can go. Go your own way. Go your own way. You see it in, throughout biblical history, the nation of Israel. God says, you want to go? Okay, go. And what do you see as the history of the, of the nation of Israel? God lets them go. They receive judgment. And they return. But he lets them go. He lets them go. This is a form of God's wrath. This is a form of God's judgment. Look at, look at the context. Go back to Romans 1 verse 18. This is the context. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. This is a form of the wrath of God. 
And I believe this as our nation. I believe that God has turned our nation over. It's a form of his wrath. He said, you can go your own way. You can, you, can, you can do what you want to do. You can make your own laws. You can reject me and go your own way. But you're also going to suffer the consequences of those choices. You're also going to suffer the consequences of those choices. God, in essence, says to a people, if you don't want to worship me and submit to my ways, you can go. And what does it say there in the text? He turns people over to a debased mind. What is a, a debased mind? What does that mean? It means that it's a mind that does not function properly. It's a mind that cannot think properly. We see that today. A mind that cannot process the realities of the world around them because it is a mind that will not submit to the authority of God. Hear me. Any mind that will not submit to the authority and the rules of God is a mind that is on the fast track to to debased thinking on a fast track to believing the lies of the enemy, on a fast track, if you will not submit to God's laws and to his ways, your mind is on on the fast track to debased, non-reality thinking. Humanity will either be governed by God or ruled by tyrants. So what is our response to all of this? What do we do? So we're the church of Jesus Christ. Where this is the, this is the, the world in which we live in. And next week we're going to talk more specifically about how we are not to be conformed. How can we not be conformed? And how can we live sober-minded lives? But what is our response to, to, to thinking clearly this morning about where we actually are as a society? And, and where are our leaders in this nation? Where, where are they leading our nation? What is our response? Well, the first one is this. We need to pray for discernment. Church, if you're sleeping, wake up. Literally and figuratively. Wake up. If you're sleeping, wake up. Pray for discernment. May we never get caught into the rush of the, of, of the debased thinking of our culture. Listen, we have a Category 10 hurricane that is on top of our nation right now. Wreaking havoc. It's not offshore right now. It's not coming And someday in the future when things get worse, though, it is now. It's a Category 10 hurricane on top of our country. The lives of the enemy swirling all around our country. So what do we need to do? We need to pray for discernment. Pray that the church would not get swept away with the tidal wave of unrighteousness that is overwhelming our country. May we always be salt and light. Jesus prayed in John 17 to the Father. He says, he says, I'm not asking you to take my, my sheep out of this world. He says, no, 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 they're, they're supposed to be here. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm praying that you would keep them from the evil one. Oh, and that should be our prayer. Pray for discernment that we can understand clearly. We can decipher between truth and error that we don't get swept up in the same delusion that the world is swept up in. I want to read something to you. This is Hannah Montana. You guys remember Hannah Montana? Who, is, who was Hannah Montana? Miley Cyrus. She doesn't know I'm quoting her. But it's public material. And I love Miley Cyrus. And I pray that, pray that she would, would return, her family would return to their Christian roots. Listen to what Miley Cyrus said in 2015. I am literally open to every single thing that is consenting and doesn't involve an animal and everyone is of age. Everything that's legal, I'm down with it, yo. I'm down with any adult, anyone over the age of 18 who is down to love me. So what's her standard? It's love. Anyone that is down to love me, I'm down with it, yo. As long as it's not an animal, as long as it's not a child. But do you understand the fallacies and the problems with this whole statement? She's down with anything, and eventually that standard's going to change. Eventually it will be animals, and it is kids. But what's the standard? It's love. Love is a standard. Love. Pray for discernment. What is wrong with it if they love one another? That's the question. That's what people think. What's wrong with it is that it is a twisted view of love. Because it is a love that does not have a foundation of truth. 
It's a love that is not on the foundation that was designed by our creator. So it cannot be love. It's a false view of love. This is why it's wrong. This is why we must pray for discernment because people will make a plausible argument. Colossians 2 It says this, is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is all the treasures of truth and reality. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Sounds plausible. They love each other. What's the harm? What's the harm is, is that their soul is is, is in a place where they may spend eternity separated from God. What's wrong is, is that they are deceived and blinded with a false view of love. It's a love that is centered on self and what I can get out of somebody, not, not a sacrificial love that is demonstrated through, through Christ and his sacrifice. It's a false view of love because its foundation is not on truth and the parameters that God has designed. We need to pray for discernment. Secondly, we need to pray for our nation. Pray that God will have mercy on our leaders. Pray for our president. Pray for President Biden. Pray for the Congress. Pray for the Senate. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our governor. Pray for our pastor, the pastors of our nation. Pray for our nation. Pray that our nation would repent of the rebellion against God and that they would come to faith in Christ. What do we do? How do we respond? Thirdly, we hold high the truth of God's word. Pray that we as believers would have courage to speak the truth. I was listening to Jim Daly on Focus on the Family. He was talking to Senator uh, Josh Howley. Josh Howley came under some fire recently because of things that he stood up for and, and he got censored and all those things that happen in politics. But really, what he, Josh Howley is a Christian. He began to, to declare his Christian faith. He began to speak in this video with Jim Daly from Focus on the Family. He began to speak about the need for Christians to have courage. We need courage to speak the truth. And then lastly, how do we respond to all this? We need to preach a message of repentance and forgiveness. Forgiveness. Repentance, but forgiveness. Doesn't matter how far you go into the depths of depravity. It doesn't matter how far a person goes in their rebellion against God, if they will repent and believe and put faith in Jesus Christ, they can be forgiven. We need to preach the message that Christ, God so loved the world, that he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We must be courageous and preach the truth, but we must be courageous and preach the truth with gospel compassion. We don't preach this truth because we think we're better than anybody. No, we preach the truth because it's true, because it's God's word. We preach the truth because we want people to be right with God. We want marriages to be healed and lives to be healed. We want people to be living in their best relationship with God, in a relationship with God that is best for them. We don't want them to be deceived by the enemy any longer. So we preach a message of repentance and forgiveness. So if you're here today, so I want to speak to you specifically. If you're here today and you, and you have been and lived in any of these, these lifestyles that I've spoken about, you can be forgiven today. You can be cleansed and healed today. That is not God's best for you. You are not designed for those relationships. God has a plan for your life that is outside of those relationships. And you can be forgiven. You can be healed. If you're here today and, and you're a woman and you've had an abortion, you can be forgiven and you can be healed. You don't have to live with the guilt and the shame for the rest of your life of that momentary decision that you made. The, the, the decision that was made because you're under pressure from, from, from society, from family, from a boyfriend, from a husband. You can be forgiven and you can be healed. You can be healed. So this is where we are. This is our nation. And this is what we must do. We must pray. We must pray. We must pray. We must not lose heart. Somebody, I've had several people call me and ask me through phone calls and in person. They've asked me if the vaccine 
is the, is the mark of the beast. Because people see we're in the end times. People see we're in the end times. They look around us and they see we're in the end times. So I won't leave that hanging. I'm going to come back to the mark of the beast real quick. But just, just for a second. They see we're in the end times. And yes, it's obvious we're in the end times. It's obvious we're in a time that the Bible describes in Revelation, but also in Romans chapter 1. And in the book of Matthew, as Jesus talks about the end times. But now is not the time to run and hide. Now is the time to stand up and shine the light. Now is the time to be bold in our witness for Christ. Do we believe what we believe? Do we believe it? We'll preach it with boldness, courage, and compassion. With love. So is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I don't think so. I look at Revelation. I've taught through Revelation twice on on Wednesdays. I've read it several times. The mark of the beast, you will not be mistaken when it's here. The Antichrist will be on the scene. I I believe my eschatology, what I believe is that we're going to be raptured. The Antichrist is going to (laughs) come. Yeah, all you hopeful pre-tribulation people. (laughs) I believe we're going to be raptured. I believe that that's going to be the breeding ground for the Antichrist to come up and say, peace, peace, peace. One world government. Here's my mark. I don't see that right now. I don't believe the vaccine is the mark of the beast. That's totally a different subject. Great way to end my message. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning. And Lord, our heart is heavy for the realities that we see all around us. Our heart is heavy for our nation, led by leaders who reject God's rule and his law. God, we pray mercy on our leaders. We pray that they would repent and turn to you. And God, we pray that you would give us courage in the middle of this society to stand for what is true, to stand for what is right, to stand for biblical realities. And that we would be a beacon of hope for those who have tasted of the world and they are empty. They've come up empty. They come up searching. They drunk deep of the world and its ways and they are empty. God, may we be ready to proclaim the forgiveness that is found in Christ and the hope that is found in Christ. God, give us courage and hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I love you. I'll see you next week.